Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This is TJ Morris, and you're listening to ACO Radio, and I am TJ Morris ET Radio, live on the air tonight with Dr. Bruce Cornett and Thomas Sinisi Hawksblood, and uh, our Thomas Hawksblood Sinisi, <laughs> I get it right in a minute, and uh, we had set this up for our ACO Club tonight for those joining us, and if you'd like to join us, go to Patreon. Forward slash patreon.com forward slash join forward slash Teresa J. Morris, and you can choose what club you'd like to join. We're doing it that way these days for ACO, UFO, and uh, our a- new one, ACAR. So, welcome aboard. We appreciate all of you that have listened to us going on eight years now from, since uh, June 2012. And I am doing my best to keep all our people in free social media out there understanding the difference with Creative Commons license. And they've all got YouTubes and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and how all that works to help you if you are a sole author 
are an entrepreneur or a speaker or you go to events and would like us to help you get the word out. So that's what we do. And uh, Tommy Hogsblood's been with me since the inception, the very first one for our ACO Ascension Center organization. And was a director for many years with my husband and myself and Janet Carolesson and Dr. Alexander Sasha Lesson. And in 2020, we invited, uh, well, actually, uh, I need to mention uh, Ken R. Johnston and Thomas, uh, (laughs) I'll remember here in a minute, Thomas R. Becker. And Thomas R. Becker is our GM for ACO Radio, meaning American Communications Online. And he started a department called Allied Command Internet Radio with me and others. And uh, we're going to run this as the ACO Association articles and bylaws. So got all that red tape out of the way. So let me get on. Uh, I need to call someone because uh, we don't usually do him on Friday night, and that is Jan Aldrich, our ufologist with UFO Association, but I've got to look up his phone number. And uh, then Ronnie Dawson called in on our Tuesday show. We have a three to five Tuesday show. And uh, I guess he'll show up tonight because they said they would, but I didn't send him anything. So Bruce Cornett has volunteered, thank God, to help me tonight. And then Tommy's going to go back into his spiritual world on Wednesdays with me. And he does a show Tuesday for UFO Association, Tina and Russ Kellett in the UK. And they've, he's been doing live shows, but we're going to let him and Bruce get on here. But let me get Bruce on here to introduce himself, and then we'll get Tommy uh Dr. Bruce Cornett, is that you? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, good, we're live and on the air. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good, okay, well we're live and on the air, and this is our first recording tonight with you, and I will be able to call in uh, Dr. Uh, Jan Aldrich later, but tell everybody who you are, and then I'm going to let Tommy, so we'll just get the introductions out of the way first. So go ahead and introduce yourself, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, I have a um, 12 year, 12, 13 years of college education, three degrees uh, in uh, biology, geology, paleobotany, and palynology. And uh, I've worked in the oil industry for about 11 uh, years or more. And uh, I've also uh, worked at uh, Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory, uh, uh, a division of uh, Columbia University, uh, drilling and uh, analyzing uh, co- rock cores from the Newark Basin in New Jersey uh, between 1990 and 1993. And it was in that period of time that I was introduced to um, uh, the TV show called Intruders, uh, and I was rather surprised to find that uh, this subject about alien abductions was on prime television uh, because being a scientist and, and working in, at an institution, uh, we rarely ever discussed uh, aliens or UFOs, etc. And uh, <clears throat> I went to the bookstore and uh, got a copy of the book Intruders by Bud Hopkins and uh, John Mack. And the book manager suggested that I uh, also get another book called Silent Invasion by Ellen Crystal. I was shocked when I read that book that it was about the area I lived in at the time in Middletown, New York, and her area, field work area, uh, extended from Middletown all the way up to Pine Bush, 
uh, New York. And uh, I got in contact with her, and uh, she invited me out into the field with her. And uh, I was shocked by what I saw. The first uh, couple times I went out into the field with her, I saw things flying around at night that I could not explain. And uh, nobody had ever uh, prepared me for this. As a consequence, I decided to do uh, a, a detailed scientific investigation into this phenomenon, uh, taking photographs, time exposures, and video of these craft that were flying around and disappearing into the neighboring farm fields and coming up uh, above tree roads and, and flying over us. Uh, this was not an airport. It wasn't anywhere near an airport. And uh, these craft seemed to defy gravity and could stop, hover, and, and accelerate to incredible speeds. So what was this stuff doing in a rural area of New York, uh, in, in right near in between uh, Pine Bush, Walden, Wallkill, and Montgomery, New York? <clears throat> As a consequence, um, I started a 24-square-mile magnetic survey with a proton magnetometer uh, in order to test uh, Ellen Crystal's theory in her book that there's an underground alien base. And it took me about three years to complete. As, as a consequence of that mapping, I discovered many underground features and even un uh, discovered underground transmitting arrays uh, sending signals out into space. Who would ever believe that? Nor would anybody believe that there are uh, nuclear-powered uh, <coughs> ancient ships, uh, alien probes, embedded in, in rock in the basin that had landed on Earth hundreds of millions of years ago. And I discovered those as well. And I'm going to be uh, giving a, uh, a, a talks at the uh, UFO mega conference in Lockland in February, in less than a month from now, uh, and it'll be based on, on the information in my book, Unconventional Aerial Phenomena uh, in the Hudson and Walker River Valley of New York. So uh, that's why I'm involved in this at this particular time. Great. Now stand by and let me uh, see if uh, I can get uh, – I'm going to see if I can get Jan on here and then ask him to hold on while we uh, get Tommy on here. But I just want to make sure I can call him because he's used to me calling him on the show. I wonder if he's going to be able to hear me. Let's see if this is going to work. Oh, wait, I did it. I didn't do it. Let's see. How did I do this? I've got two cell phones, a phone, a studio phone, and let's see. It says it's ringing, right? Right. I hear it ringing. And H where did you live? In Connecticut? Hello? Yes. Hi, uh, Jan's sister. This is... Uh, the ACO Club live on the air. Is Jan around? He said he would come or like to come on Friday night's show, and we're live and on the air now. Okay, Jan, do you want to get on the show? Okay, he's coming. It might take him a second or two. Okay, well, great. I didn't know if he remembered, or we talked about it Wednesday on the day show to help us start tonight's club with uh, Dr. Cornett and uh, other people. Okay. Well, that'll yeah, be... he's coming on his way. He may have he may, may have slipped his mind. 
is Susan, right? Yes, it is. Thank you, Susan. You do as much radio just about as he does. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you to come on and talk about one of your groups. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Hi, is that This is uh, Bruce Cornett talking. Uh, how do you do? Fine. Are you in Connecticut? Yes, I am. What part of Connecticut? Uh, northeast. Northeast, up near uh, uh, Stores, Connecticut, University of Connecticut? Or close to the Rhode Island border. Oh, much even closer to that, huh? Because I grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut, and went to Yukon. Yeah, uh, I'm in Canterbury, Connecticut. Oh, okay. I got it. Very good. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, Bruce, let's let, uh, let, let's let Jan, uh, Tommy's here too, and uh, Tommy's rather long-winded, but he's been with me for years, so Tommy's on, but stand by, Tommy, because you and I are old hands at this. Jan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to for Friday Night's Club, because uh, you and I have been doing Tuesday Day Club, so tell everybody, if you don't mind giving them your little introduction about who you are and, and your background, and then uh, me and Tommy will fill in, and then we'll start a conversation, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, so I've been stealing from the government for about 50 years now, uh, first in the Army and then 25 years in the post office. So uh, my time in the Army was uh, involved with uh, meteorology for about 16 years and then uh, security and intelligence and personnel and safety. Um, uh, since I was uh, in junior high, which is back in the about 56, uh, uh, that's when I got an inkling about what UFOs were about that time because I saw a ball of lightning. Um, investigating ball lightning uh, led me to uh, UFOs, and uh, so uh, almost um, 60 years later, uh, I've uh, I've I've uh, completed about 60 years of uh, collecting information and trying to sort it out in various ways. Um, one of the things I did when I uh, left the Army, I started what was called uh, Project 1947. It's an investigation into the early days of uh, UFOs uh, from the turn of the century up to uh, about 1965. Um, and that's uh, that continues uh, to this day. We've had uh, help from over 300 people around the world uh, collecting various accounts and exchanging information. So. Okay, let me let Tommy introduce himself and then we'll get started. Tommy, can you hear me, Tommy? 
Yes, I hear you fine. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, good. We've got good reception tonight from Hawaii. Sometimes we don't, but great, Tommy. Yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, and then I'll and I'm going to go on mute, and then we'll turn it back over to Bruce. And... All right, Tommy Hawksblood here. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who I am, uh, but I'm on the Big Island of Hawaii. I just want to say there's so much stuff going on in Hawaii over the past six months with UFOs and and everything else. Uh, I've been trying to keep up with it all, but. There's things happening with friends of mine in California, which should open the door to what aliens are and what what races are here and stuff real soon. But there's there's a time frame that it's all going to happen, and it's not right now. I mean, everybody wants disclosure. I don't look disclosure the same way most people do because true disclosure means seeing an alien and everybody sees it, and then they'll realize that there's such, such a thing. I mean, right now they're still fighting whether it's a government ship, Rus- Russian ship, Chinese ship, where the ship came from. Uh, is it us from the future? Is it us, is it us from the past? Uh, rather than what kind of races are really coming here and what they're doing. So, I mean, I'm I'm way ahead of a lot of things going on with that. I hope to bring some information out real soon. It all depends on a few people I'm working with. Uh, a lot of people I know have been being arrested and put in jail because of the information that they have or they wanted to put out there. So it's it's kind of hard. People that tell stories can get to talk as long as they want, but people that have the truth. It's really hard for them to get it out there because the Navy just released two statements yesterday, but the main one says they will not release any UFO information because it would hurt the United States. So that's their stand on disclosure. So if people think the Navy is going to come out and admit to it, they're asking everybody to send them all their information, but they're not going to come out and say what it means and what it entails too. So I want you to keep up on the information coming out. There's truth coming out here and there. And you have to piece it together. But this whole thing about disclosure and what the government's really doing is coming out in a real shady way. So, I mean, for them to beg everybody to send them information about what they store, when, where, how, and all that, and then not to come out to release it, there's something going on with that. One last thing. Uh, A friend of mine and I lectured for uh, the Thunderbirds years ago. And we lectured for about 400 people. And I'd say at least a hundred of them all had a story to tell about UFOs that came up to their ships and their planes that they were driving. So, I mean, it's not like it's new. It's not like people don't know about it. It's just a fear that people that do see it are threatened and, and, and are forced to keep it quiet. I mean, sure, there's a lot of people coming out now, and we need to come out. But we need to bring the most important truth that we do have that can help people out. And I feel that's my mission in life right now. I mean, I'm a writer. I'm on fifth book. I wrote a book, How to See a UFO, Field Manual. I'm giving it away as a PDF file if anybody's interested. Please get in touch with us. But other than that, I'll hand it back over to you, TJ. Thank you, Tommy. I was on mute. Now, uh, folks, in order to keep the background sounds out, I'll ask all of you, if you're on your phones, to mute if you can when you're not speaking. And then I'm going to mute you when you're not on, just so we have a really clear recording that goes up for YouTube listeners. And uh, let me, I've got one other person here I'm expecting. Let me see. Is this Ronnie? Hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Who's calling in? Can you hear me? There's someone else here. Can you hear me? Is Hello. this Ronnie Dawson? This, this yeah, is Ronnie can Dawson. you hear? Yes. Oh, Ronnie Dawson. Yes. Good, Ronnie. 
Okay, Ronnie. Uh, I always have a hard time hearing you in the beginning. So if you don't mind, Ronnie, uh, we've got the ACO Club going tonight. But uh, everybody doesn't know each other, plus we have the listening audience because this is a live show. Would you please introduce yourself, and uh, then we're going to do a roundtable discussion with Dr. Bruce Cornett, Jan Aldrich, Tommy Hawksblood of Hawaii. And I understand now, Ronnie, are you in Texas? Yes, I'm in uh, North Central Texas. Uh, I'm a UFO experiencer and alien contactee. Uh, I had a CE5 event where I actually uh, made contact and had a conversation with the ETs. So, and and it, this is going on for driver, years. Right? So, but finally, they instead uh, of scare me, yes, yes. And so they finally had a conversation with me after scared me for years. So, and uh, it was a quite, yeah, so I found out a, a lot about them uh, first, yeah, you know, up close and personal. <laughs> like I was 12 inches oh. from this alien space when we were having okay. these conversations. So. You're breaking up a little bit, but uh, now let me uh, let Jan Aldrich I know, and, uh, I know, yeah, they kind of showed came from and everything so and and they show oh, me how they got... up a little bit are you at your house in texas are you hey, on, the, on, the, on the road when you want me to talk uh, i, I yeah. think we have a third we may have a delay i'm not sure all I'm right on the, well I'm, I'm at the house here okay well i don't know why we have some blank spots but uh Hold on, uh, Jan Aldrich. Do you have any questions? And I'll, I'll then I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Bruce. But Jan, you have any questions for uh, Ronnie? Uh, n- uh, no, no. Let's let's go on. Okay, uh, Dr. Bruce, how would you like to uh, move forward? Tommy and I are used to live working together, so right now, and uh, let's just let you guys get to know each other. Uh, Bruce and Jan and Ronnie and Tommy and I will sit here and hold the fort down for a little while. And so if each one of y'all want to talk a few minutes and ask each other questions just to get the ball rolling, uh, this will be a panel discussion about, uh, I guess uh, we'll start with ufology tonight. So I'm going to go on mute. So Jan, if you'd like to discuss what you believe a ufologist is, and then uh, Dr. Bruce, and then Ronnie has uh, written a book, but I'm sure Bruce uh, looked him up for us in our club, so uh, Bruce can ask him some questions. So, Okay, so Jan doesn't have any questions, right, Jan? But, uh, all right, yeah. All right, uh, all right, but I'm going to leave you on with Dr. Bruce, and I'm going to mute. So Tommy and I will be in the background for everybody because uh, I've got to try to make sure we get the best sound for Ronnie. All right, I'm going to go on mute, and Dr. Uh, Bruce, you've got the floor, and Jan is there uh, for support as a ufologist. But uh, let Jan tell you what he believes a ufologist is versus an alien. Uh, we have alien contact organization, which Ronnie can uh, express as a contactee. So we have different people with different backgrounds. All right, I'm going to go on mute, and we're going to see how Dr. Bruce and Jan can do with Ronnie. I'm up muting. Go ahead. Hello, Jan. Yes, um, you, uh, uh, I um, 
I'm aware of your interest in, in, in the uh, Roswell crash, correct? You have studied that quite a bit? No, no. In fact, uh, uh, that's the one thing I've avoided studying. Uh, the whole idea of Project 47 is it it, uh, it started right in the middle of, uh, uh, what could we say, Roswell mania. Okay. Um, and... Uh, what I was what what I was attempting to do was to collect uh, some of the uh, the some of the material from the huge flap in 1947, which uh, I don't think most people appreciate how how, how many uh, incidents took place, uh, and uh, since there were still people. Uh, Alive that had uh, experienced them, it was it was possible to collect some first-hand accounts, but mostly it was newspapers uh, and what had ever ever been collected before. the The flap was a a huge uh, uh, number of uh, various uh, incidents that that that. Uh, uh, that demonstrated that uh, UFOs don't evolve. In 1947, almost everything that we uh, associate with UFOs was there, except maybe, maybe abductions. But I think there are, there were such things that they were just uh, in the background. But uh, car stallings. Uh, uh, people being physically injured, uh, um, uh, physical events which left traces, um, uh, satellite object cases where uh, it seemed that uh, uh, a large UFO would uh, um, release smaller objects. Which is really uh, kind of a uh, a real uh, unusual uh, phenomenon. It's kind of rare, but in 1947 it, it wasn't. It's almost like the French wave. Uh, a lot of, uh, uh, of of these types of cases, even starting before Arnold in uh, in the early spring. So there there is no evolution in ufology everything was encountered uh in the in the very early days there and i know i have one skeptic that keeps writing me and telling me no i'm wrong it's a plastic phenomena it uh, changes over the years and i keep telling him, no you just have to look at the early days and you find out that that's that's not true um it's been uh pretty consistent all the way through from the 1947 on. How far back do you uh, find a triangular or angular craft as opposed to circular craft? Uh, no, no. That uh, uh, I mean, these things are are involved in, in 1947. They're not as involved as what seems to be happening today. Uh, okay. But, but there were triangular craft in 1947. 
the problem was that the newspapers said flying discs. And you talk about flying discs, and then you find out that what they're talking about is a uh, a square object being seen by people. And the newspaper's referring to it as a flying disc. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, uh, so there, there's some. Uh, if you just if you just read the surface, you're you're surprised like that. Um, right. Now there are you know triangular craft. There were hexagonal. Um, uh, some were. Um, uh, lens shaped, then some were, uh, uh, say, cup shape or um, egg shape, uh, you know, elliptical. Uh, all these, uh, all these things uh, occurred, and then there's some rarer things. But like I said, it's. Uh, it's pretty much you can find anything that was in, uh, you know, like 1957 in 1947 or 1967 or 1977 and so on and so on uh, back in 47. Um, this involved uh, screening about uh, 4,000 newspapers in North America and then about another uh, four or five hundred overseas, <coughs> the uh, North American newspapers at the time in 1947, there were 11,000 11, of them in North America. So haven't even uh, completed a majority of newspapers available at that time. I took a, a, an interest and went and looked at uh, newspapers in different uh, counties in the Northeast, and uh, saw quite a few uh, paper article, uh, quite a few articles about uh, sightings. So I, I agree that there was a, a tremendous number of reports uh, being published on at that time. Yes, and of course we had the um, official investigation. There's which nominally supposedly has 122 cases <clears throat> compared to about 3000 that's uh that's uh that's just a drop in the bucket right uh, and of course from 122 cases you can't make as much uh accurate statements you can't have as many accurate statements as when you have 3000 to look at right and um uh i have uh, been very interested in in the uh, reports that have come out by uh um costa uh Cheryl costa who wrote uh a book about you know the uh, desktop um reference book that she and her uh, her um, partner uh, wrote uh, all the way across the United States, and they documented a tremendous number of sightings in the last uh, three decades uh, all around the, the country. So, and one of the things that has fascinated me is the increase in the number of sightings of triangular craft um, 
And uh, I worked at NIDS in Las Vegas for about four months back in 2004 when they were compiling uh, results of a number of, uh, um, of, of local uh, or, or sightings uh, reporting centers around the world, uh, and uh, especially in this country, uh, uh, MUFON and NIDS and New Fork uh, all, all contributed to a study of triangular craft. And this was uh, um, published in uh, one of the NIDS uh, uh, publications before that institution shut down. And uh, one of the things that I saw in the data was an extraordinary increase in the number of sightings starting uh, from 1989-1990 with the Belgium flap and increasing uh, exponentially in the year around 2000, and it continued to increase. Um, so, uh, but disc-shaped craft and um, circular craft, uh, sightings of them have been rather sparse, and I'm, I'm just curious uh, as to why this is, uh, transition has happened. Yeah, that is uh, that is interesting. Uh, also, it seems that close encounter cases have uh, uh, sort of fallen off. Uh, the last uh, two, maybe two and a half decades, um, as, you know, especially uh, you know since the uh, millennia changed, um, there mm-hmm. seems to be a falling off of, of close approaches where. Say sixty six, sixty seven. Uh, there is a massive number of this close approaches. Uh, it's it's hard to uh, figure out exactly why. Uh, I've been working with the uh, the Kufos files. Uh, I've been scanning them, put them on. Uh, digitizing them so they can uh, we can carry around our filing cabinets uh, uh, on a thumb drive so we have uh, we have portability of a large amount of uh, data and this is uh, this has led to uh, um, certain things just like the fall off of uh, close encounters uh, more triangular shaped objects uh all there although there were always triangular shaped objects here in Connecticut I've been following the uh in the early 60s uh, there were there were a number of them in Connecticut uh um maybe not triangular I mean you know some people said well they're close to uh the mercury capsule they look like the mercury mercury capsule or um uh things like that uh it, it's um all of this stuff is uh, pub- uh uh puzzling uh it, it's like amy michelle said uh, uh there are no laws of ufology uh every time you try to say well this thing happens or doesn't happen, it does. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm just curious as to what the attitudes are uh, in in your area of the country right now 
Um, are, do you talk very much with uh, other people uh, about this subject? Yes, but since my uh, my uh, uh, emphasis is on historical, and most people want to know what's up to the minute, so right, right. So I, you know, I'm uh, I, I'm a degreed historian, so I. I am more interested, like I said, night project nineteen forty seven in in the uh in the early days and of course uh Michael Swords and uh, Robert Powell uh and some of the some other of us, about ten altogether, we wrote uh UFOs in Government, which is a uh, scholarly uh, historical inquiry into uh, official uh, government interactions and uh, uh, reactions to the UFO phenomenon. So, uh, and it's it's been quite well received. Uh, um, it was recommended, as a matter of fact, for uh, for acquisition by. Uh, uh, college and university libraries. So, because of that, uh, there's a lot of academics that have been exposed to a more, uh, uh, let's put it, scholarly uh, uh, inquiry into the history of the uh, government reaction to UFOs. Uh, since I've spent a lot of time in and academia, uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, my involvement in, in this subject didn't really begin until 1992, <clears throat> and uh, I was really shocked uh, by how much information was available to the public while in the halls of academia, I rarely uh, ever heard this, uh, mention the word UFO, and yet... Uh, are you familiar with this new book that's out by uh, Dr. Pazulka called American Cosmic? Uh, yes, uh, I've, I've scanned through it. It's, uh, I, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, when McDonald was um, interested in UFOs, at, a, at the time I was working at MIT, so I had access to their library mm -hmm. and their libraries, and uh, there are there are uh, you know let's put it this way maybe not discussions but descriptions of UFOs in 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 a lot of scholarly journals and I'm not talking about pre 1947 but up there and. Uh, um, what I was doing uh, while I was there is going through and seeing if I could uh, come up with some references, and then anything I couldn't find at uh, MIT, I, I I I sent on to McDonald, and he uh, he had uh, uh, people at other universities could try to look these things up. Uh, I remember we had two stubborn ones that were hard to find: one in Italy and one in the Netherlands, and they were both from 1954. Uh, I I don't know if he ever found them, 
But it's, it, it, it is interesting, and they just seem to be more or less hidden. I mean, the, the interest uh, didn't appear to be, uh, there didn't appear to be a lot of interest in academia. But well, the reason I brought up Pazulka's book is that uh, what she describes is a, an almost an awakening uh, within uh, her university and other universities uh, and, and more uh, people uh, interested in the subject and talking about it even though it might fall under uh, uh, Alan Hynek's uh, invisible college uh, category, uh, where uh, there's not as much of a stigma anymore about uh, talking about this subject. Uh, right. Uh, the University of New Mexico wants to acquire, um, in fact, they told me they're not afraid of uh, a lot of data, which we have a lot of data. Like Heineck said, we have an embarrassment of riches. We have so much data. Um, so uh, they've been saying uh, the amount of data doesn't scare us. We're we're uh, we're starting a huge archives down here, and we can absorb uh, huge amounts of UFO data. So they they uh, they've indicated the the head, you know, like the uh, the dean. And uh, president have indicated they want to acquire this uh, uh, anything they can um, for their uh, their new uh, archives. So that's uh, that's hopeful. That's hopeful because a lot of UFO okay. collections end up in when a person dies, they end up in the uh, in the dump. Yeah, I've heard about that. That's uh, really a, a sad. I, I know that a number of people in the field who are actively uh, pursuing um, uh, acqu acquisition of uh, books and data for their files uh, in order to preserve them. Um, what university in New Mexico is is dealing with this archive? It is the University of New Mexico. Okay. All right. So, uh, uh, yeah, we've been. I've been. Uh, we have a small group of historians that have been collecting this material. Uh, so I have Robert Todd's files. I have uh, Dr. Willie Smith's files. Uh, an Englishman named uh, Andy Roberts. I have his files. Um, and uh, that also, we're trying to put get that uh, digitized. So I have what I call my digital filing cabinet here. Uh, and I can walk around with it in my pocket because it's uh, on a thumb drive. And right. it involves uh, uh, more than 10,000, way more than 10,000 cases. Um, well, how do I get And that's Ronnie just Dawson the start. In, that's in just here. the start. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I have, I have, uh, huge amounts of uh, filing cabinets and boxes full of material that has to be scanned. Wow. Well, Jan and Bruce, how are we going to get this going tonight? Uh, you know, because Ronnie is in the new, are we going to do it by years or by classification? I don't know. Are we going to, in our club, because this is a brand new club in 2020, are we all going to do it by time frames like uh, 
has been done in the past based on the history uh, timeline because uh, I guess we need to figure out how to run this club because Ronnie is here and he wrote a book and Dr. Bruce, you found the found something on him, but I want to know how much information because I can't see Ronnie's phone number because he called in on Skype and it just shows one. So we've got to decide who wants to be public with their story. And so you two guys have been doing this for years. I was an investigator, but everything I kept was confidential or for eyes only or need to know bases or in the government. So uh, Tommy's been helping interview people with uh, Tina on Tuesdays with the UFO Association we set up last year in the UK, and of course he's been helping me with 20, since 2012 just on various topics, and paranormal and spiritual. But uh, I want to help all these people, and uh, I don't. Ronnie Dawson did join our ACO club for at least getting started, and I think he has a book. But how are we going to do this? Are we going to offer their books? Are we going to also archive? But Ronnie's here, too, and I know he's listening. He's done a good job of keeping himself on mute. But uh, we've got an hour and 15 minutes here, and me and Tommy are used to this, and we know we're making a live recording. But this is for oral history. But how do we? How are we all going to do this? Because Tommy can you know, put you on, on television if you want to be and uh, you know, has shows, and then I do shows. But Ronnie's here to participate, but I don't know that uh, – how we can do this with you two, because you two are collegiate academics and real intelligent, been doing this for probably, I know Jan's been doing it for many, many years, and apparently you have too, Dr. Bruce. And Dr. Maccabee yes. told us we could do ACO as alien contact org. So uh, I guess we need to set up like our own Heineck. Uh, do we want to use CE5 and then add to it? So can we well, discuss well, how you two are going to do, Ronnie? TJ. TJ. Ronnie yes. seems to be one of the newest members. I mean, I've been out in the field observing craft with Tommy in in uh, New York uh, way back in 1996. So we go back at, at least that far together. And uh, I'm interested in what Ronnie uh, has brought forth by his book. I have not gotten his book yet. I only found out about it today. And I'd love to have him explain uh, what happened to him. And and uh, how the uh, he says in, in the abstract uh, of his of his book that activity has been continuing from 2010 on, and I believe his book came out in 2016, and uh, I would like to know more about that because that brings us up to current level of of activity. And uh, Tommy has been saying that a lot of uh, sightings have been occurring in in Hawaii and get a little bit more information on that, too, okay? Hello? Sounds good. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you Ronnie? now. Ronnie? Okay, yeah. Uh, Is that you? I dumped my, my Wi-Fi, and I, I'm going through my cell phone now, hoping to get a better signal. Yeah, this is Ronnie Dawson. Yes, Ronnie. I'd love love to hear more about your story, about your book, uh, and might help uh, improve your sales. Um, so, uh, you uh, said that you were in the oil business at the time. 
Yes, I'm a I'm a crude oil transport driver, and uh, like I said, I hadn't seen anything. I haven't haven't seen anything for 30 years out there. And in 2009, I started seeing some stuff, and uh, and it just kept getting weirder. And I and I, and I started seeing the UFO craft, and I've got some pictures of it. And I've and uh, I had a UFO mothership fly over me. I got a 15 second video clip of the left half of a V-shaped mothership that flew right over the top of my head. Wow! And, I mean, I seen, it, I seen this thing up close and personal. It was just outside Coleman, Texas. Coleman, Texas. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, my background is in the oil business too, uh, from uh, '77 all the way up into around 2000. And um, I um, have was abducted in front of my entire drill crew down in Virginia in 1981. And um, I have a whole website on that abduction. Uh, I was found missing by my drill crew, and then they saw me being returned. Uh, That was my first indication uh, that something very strange was going on because uh, they had uh, given me screen memories, and I had no idea that I was actually... Uh, taken aboard their ship. Uh, have you uh, experienced an abduction? I've got to say this real quick because, folks, I want you to hear this. What does oil have to do with uh, Project 1947, Jan Aldrich and Dr. Bruce? But I just found out recently on Jan's show on Tuesdays that uh, I was talking about uh, in Oklahoma, and these ETs were talking to each other and it was on an oil site so i'm starting to wonder about this oil stuff but i'm going to go back on mute but tommy and tommy you're being really good because tommy and i can talk for two hours easy but uh, just occasionally let tommy make a comment bruce but i'm going to go back on mute but there's something about esp and me in oklahoma and oil just like with you guys but my story can come way later so i'm going to go back on mute okay okay ronnie did you hear my question? Yeah. Have you been abducted? Uh, I have. Uh, the, the way they – it was an abduction, but it was a non-typical abduction. They didn't – what they did, they they grabbed my living spirit or essence or whatever, life essence or whatever it is, and they pulled me out of my sleeping body for a conversation. And uh, my wife walked through the bedroom several times during this conversation. And uh, I asked them where, show me how they got here because you know, I'd always heard if you ever get a chance to talk to them, ask them how they got here. And I asked them how they got here, and I asked them if they could show me. And uh, they told me they instructed me to walk through the wall, and when I did, I fell into outer space right off of one of their planets in a solar system, God only knows where. And you could see a, it was close to a galactic center because I could see a black hole with all the stars being sucked into it in their sky. And their, their, their sky looks a lot like ours. Their planet looks smaller than ours. It had a quick rotation, had three major continents, thin oceans. I mean, I was in outer space looking at this thing. And uh, and when I, when I look back at where I came from, it was a black box. It's the same. You've seen the, the U.S. military jet that filmed uh, the gun camera filmed the black box flying by it. I've been in one of those. That's That's a stargate. That's what the ET uses to get here, and it, and they said, you know, as long, not only is it a stargate, it's a, it's a biocontainment mechanism. It keeps it keeps the from contaminating our world and our world from contaminating theirs. And that's what they instruct. That's what they told me. Uh-huh. And you see that you see it fly right by the jet. I think it's off the coast of Florida. They, the jet filmed it, you know. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what that is, man. 
Yeah. But I'm surprised the government's never asked me about it. <laughs> and you know, and just I heard you guys talking earlier. You know, the thing is, I can't. You know, after I've seen the big UFO and I've got the footage, I contacted several universities. Nobody's interested. I contacted every media. I contacted CNN. I contacted TNT. I contacted Fox News. Nobody wanted to cover my story. Nobody even got got back with me. You know, so back in the back in the forties, if you reported something like that, yeah, it would be a major story. But now I can I reported my UFO site and they never even give me their courtesy call back. You know, that, uh-huh. and that's the reason you don't hear a lot of this. You don't hear a lot of the new encounters like mine. You hear the old ones because back then it was different. You know, the newsmen back then were interested in stuff like that. Newsmen would take the time to cover it. And newsmen back then had a lot more credibility than the guys do now. You know, back then, if you if you didn't report the truth, man, you'd be fired. You'd be run, run out on a rail, you know. So, you know, I right. believe what the guys were writing back then. You know, and, and Roswell, you know, they're taking people out there right now. I, I'm going out to Roswell this year. I'll be at the Roswell UFO Festival. I was there two years ago, and there's an impact crater out there. And, you know, and everybody's sitting there thinking, well, think about how fast that weather balloon was going when it hit the ground to make an impact crater. <laughs> you know, not, it wasn't a weather balloon, you know. <laughs> it's quite you obvious. Said a, 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 uh, you said a black box. Could you explain that to the audience a little bit better, what you mean? Was it a rectangular black box that was uh, levitating in the air? It was a – yeah, when – they had me. They it was they they had put the thing over my hat over my room bedroom of my house. They pulled me out of my sleeping body for a conversation, and then when I during the conversation I asked them if they could show me where they came from, how they got here, and they instructed me to walk through the wall because you could move through physical matter. There. It's like you had a little mass, but you didn't have a whole lot of mass. You could sit on a bed and feel the softness of the bed, or you could walk through the bed like you're wading through a pond of water. You know, and they they showed me that there was we're safe from bi- biological contamination here. We're fa- safe from physical harm, and this is where the people of our world will eventually meet the people of their world who are demanding them to have a conversation with us. But was and, this uh, in your spiritual lessons? Would you call it that? No, no, I am not. A, I am not a spiritual person. I am not a, a person who meditates. I, I, you know, I do not astro well, travel. I, when you were out of your out, out of when you're out of your body. What 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 would you call that uh, when you're out of your body? What f- physical or non-physical form were you uh, involved in? I would. I looked at. I looked. I had two hands. I had two arms. I mean, I I looked at my hand and I could see my hand, and it, you know, I couldn't see through my hand like I was in a ghost state or nothing like that. I mean, I looked. I looked very physical, and I could feel. I could feel softness. And uh, I did not feel hot or cold. I felt perfectly comfortable. I didn't need to. I didn't need to pee or didn't. Need, I didn't feel hunger. I felt perfectly good. I mean, I felt good. And I looked at the people I talked to, the aliens that I talked to, and I could see their characteristics. And I and one of them was holding hand. This light, this leopard woman was holding hands with me. And I looked, and I, her hand felt weird. And at one point, I remembered, you know, if this is a dream, you know, I, I want to look, you know. This is a dream. They said, look, see if you won't have detail if it's a dream. So I looked at her hand, and I could see that she had pads, pads on her hand like on, like a cat has on his foot, even in between her digits. But she had four fingers and a thumb just like mine. But 
Between the digits of her fingers, there were small pads like on a cat's foot. Very odd. Uh, did, did, could you see your body, physical body, in the bed? Yes, I see. My body was still laying in the bed. And uh, and actually, when they pulled me out of it, I was like buried up, buried in my bed up to my knees. And I kind of freaked out because I looked down and I seen the bed and I didn't and I and I didn't see the bottom of my legs and I kind of freaked out like oh my god my legs are gone my, the bottom of my legs are gone and uh, and they waded me out of the bed like wading out of a pond of water and said you're all right you're all right you know and then they showed me that we can move through physical matter here that they and they started apologizing for disrupting my rest and and all this stuff and they just needed to have a conversation and uh, and. The gist of the conversation was how they feel the people of our world about that the people of their world have been watching us and want to meet us and how to go about doing that. What what name? Do they go by a name? Do they call themselves something? No, they like never, we, not at any point did they ever tell me this is this one's name is whatever and they didn't they didn't tell me the name of the world. They didn't use names. Uh, one of them was a genealogist that was with her. There was two different species of aliens. They weren't the same species of aliens. They certainly weren't gray aliens. There was one that was tall. She had like blue skin, real short black hair. She had this ruby thing glued to her right cheek. She had like a diamond glued to the center of her forehead, and she had a tattoo on her left cheek. And the other one uh, looked like a uh, – you could see she had big hair, and you could see the tip – of her cat ears sticking through it, and she looked like a woman. She's, at, I mean, two legs, two arms, just like a, a woman, not a, a good-looking woman. And then when you, but when you look at her face, her eyes are human. But then her nose turns into a cat's nose, and she even had whiskers on her upper lips like a cat. So the tip of her mouth turned into like a cat's mouth. They didn't use, they didn't, they talked with her. They talked English. Uh, with their mouth, and because of the cat, the one that had the cat's mouth, she had a hard time making certain syllables when she spoke, and it was almost comical uh, trying to watch her pronounce certain words, but when she had trouble making a word, she would was smart enough that she would use a different word instead of repeating it, like people with a speech impediment do. Uh, when your wife she, came in the room, uh, she could uh, see you talking or... Uh, uh, experience this with you, or did she just see you sleeping no. in bed? No, she. It was like nine o'clock in the morning when this all happened. So the sun was shining in around the windows. She came walking through the bedroom on her way to the bathroom, and she when she came back from the bathroom, she stopped and she looked looked at us, and it freaked one of the ET out. Uh, and she goes, she, she said to the other ETs, "Can't she see us?" Because she stopped and she looked our direction, but what she was looking at was my sleeping body there in bed. But and you, I your could wife see, couldn't I could, see the ETs, right? Your, no, your wife could they, not they see told, the ETs. No, they said they, they said this is where we, we've been watching you from. They said they, they, she cannot see or hear us. Is what she said. She cannot see or hear us, and this is where we've been watching, observing your world. This is interesting. She, so the two ETs were female, correct? Both of them, yes. Interesting. And they were two different, different types. They were two, yeah, they were two different species. One was like a leopard woman. And I mean, at one point, you know, it, it, the story is it's, it's a pretty lengthy story. But anyway, uh, she, she, has a ta- she had a big tail. And she had stripes on her body, and I drew some sketches of what she looked like, and I drew some, and the other, the tall blue one, 
I actually got a picture of that one in a UFO encounter in Coleman. The disc approached me, and I went into hiding, and, I, and from, from my hiding spot, I leaned around this oil field separator, and I took a picture of the craft with the compartment underneath it lit up on the inside. And this is the same ET that is standing in the opening. And I, and I took the picture like back in uh, 2011, and I actually met her in August of 2017. So this is the same one, the tall blue one. And I think she's probably the pilot of the craft. Wow. And uh, uh, that is fascinating. Um, I've never heard a story quite like this. Uh, but then I've also encounters myself uh, with different types, and but not like that. Um, and uh, we tend to give them names like the grays and the and the tans and things like this, the reptilians, I, but that's not what they call themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I know, I know the cat woman. What do they call them? Uh, I've heard some. What do they call the cat people? It's uh, gosh, I can't think of it right offhand. But you know, they they have a they have a term they use for the cat people. But she never said that that this is what they're called, and they never use they never use names when they were speaking to one another. She said she called her my associate. She called her a geneticist at one point, but I mean, she never called her a name. I never heard her call her, each other a name, and, and she never told her that, name. Or their... That's the same, uh, I guess, point or fact with the ones we worked with. They never uh, honestly told us their real names or where they really were from. So uh, I haven't written the reality book yet because it's it sounds wacko, uh, to be honest, Ronnie, because you mentioned these things that we're not used to hearing. We may have seen pictures in the ancient uh, ancient history. You know, I've seen those cat people, but I didn't believe it. But then I heard about the tombs and how they used to do people and stuff. So it is a way to go and look in history, but at the same time, it's so hard to believe it. That's why it's so hard for me to write a book. But when I hear the same thing happening in the conversations, like uh, Dr. Bruce said, in today's people bringing it up, it's easier for us, but we've got to figure out how to not be biased and automatically say, oh, BS, because even for me, and I've had experience in and out of uniform, but it's hard for me to hear this, and I'm recording it, and I'm paying to do this stuff, so the live recording folks, but that's why I've got this club with Jan Aldrich, Dr. Bruce McAbee, Tommy Hawksblood, and now Ronnie Dawson. We're all in a club to do this, and we've just hit the hour mark, so this is a good time to pitch it. So if you guys want to do this again, and you guys uh, don't mind, we'll try to keep it to uh, maybe Jan, Bruce, um, Tommy and I can run the boards, meaning we can help produce shows for you guys, but when we invite somebody like Jan that's been doing this for quite a few hours on his own books, and Wednesday and he agreed to talk to Ronnie Dawson tonight, Friday, and Ronnie agreed. We weren't sure they were going to show up, so I asked Dr. Bruce to show up and sort of help run it, and then Tommy just happened to call today, and he's going to start doing Wednesday again for a spiritual topic, but Tommy is also involved in this. Whoops. 
All right, I'm going to go back on mute. But, uh, Tommy, you want to put in about two or three minutes here, and let uh, we'll get back to Jan. But, uh, Jan, what we do is we usually rotate a panel, and uh, Tommy can run it. He's used to timing uh, the old way, but we would let each person talk for about five minutes so we don't talk over each other. But Dr. Bruce, is, this is his first show uh, for the ACO Club, and Jan, I'd already invited you and Ronnie from Tuesday's show. I was going to say, and I cut myself off, that we, uh, I was hoping we could learn to work together with the ancient and the uh, history that Jan does, and Bruce, uh, Bruce is going to be speaking, so he goes to the events that me and Jan, Jan's done a few, and he's done some meetings but he's also in these uh, closed groups where they don't allow just anybody to come. So I'm trying to create something in between, and Tommy and me for eight years is to bring the different associations, clubs, groups together to meet each other. So, Ronnie, it's really hard to understand, but I'm, my brain's really trying to understand, but totally get that if you put it in a book and you're willing to say, this happened to me, and you author it. I've also got an author's club, so we can pull your book in here. But I don't know how we're going to do all this, Jan and Bruce, but you guys have been in it for years, so I'm hoping you guys will orchestrate with the new people. And, uh, well, Dr. Bruce, bring Tommy in. I'm going to mute, but you know, bring Tommy well, in off, for a minute. TJ, I just want to say something. Uh, this is in reference to, to Jan being the historian. He is familiar with all of the tens of thousands of reports. He may not have read every single one of them or remember them, but uh, my question to him would be, how many different types of ETs have those reports uh, indicated? In other words, uh, we hear uh, from Linda Moulton Howe uh, about how in government documents they've uh, reported as many as 75 different types of ETs, and uh, but there are others who say that there are thousands of different types that are visiting Earth, and yet where is the evidence for all of this? So I'm just curious as to whether or not uh, uh, Jan can fill us in on what he knows. Okay. Um, oh, listen, the, the, the evidence is kind of ephemeral. We don't have any pictures of ETs that, uh, that stand up. Um, we've got some traces, uh, and Ted Phillips, uh, took a few footprints, I think, castings, but it's, it's, it's hard to say. There, there appears to be, uh, uh, small entities, uh, say about three feet, three feet, five, four feet, somewhere in that area, um, and they appear to have different, uh, uh, colorations and um, possibly some different uh, physical characteristics that are human-like but not human. Uh, and then, of course, about 1980, everybody started the grays, the grays, the grays. And uh, actually, uh <sighs> From the night, you know, from the web, uh, uh, Strebert stuff started uh, pushing that backwards into the uh, into the earlier histories, uh, and then there's there's always giants and 
appears to be robots and um but they're they're hard to characterize and it's it's really in a lot of cases it's hard to take them seriously because they uh uh they seem like caricatures instead of uh regular entities that can walk around uh um like uh earth people or animals i mean they just uh, seem to have a lot of uh um unusual characteristics they don't seem to uh people walking see it seems like they have, you know there's a flow but these things seem to be jerky and there's all kinds of things like that reported it's hard it's it's hard to characterize all of them um i know uh, they, there was a lot in france and amy michelle had had problems with <clears throat> uh what the difference between a lot of these supposed entities and they just seem to be glimpsed for a very short time so uh, uh, and then they had the uh, Venezuelan stuff at the contemporary with uh, the French wave in 54 that uh, these things were uh, bellicose and belligerent um, uh, beating people up and things uh, and they seem to be almost naked when they were doing this. And then there's others that are enclosed in some kind of uh, almost spacesuit. So it's it's hard to tell. And then there seems to be rather uh, unusual caricatures of uh, of robots that. Uh, um, She's stuff you would see in uh, in early fifties uh, science fiction movies. So, uh, and then giant entities, bigger ones, ten feet tall. So I it, I don't think there's any real good characterization of this. Uh, yeah, uh, everybody seems to have. I mean, there are a lot of different reports of different types of entities. Are you familiar with uh, Riley? <laughs> Riley Martin, have you ever heard of that name? No, I don't believe I have. He wrote a book called The Coming of Tan, The Coming of T-A-N, and it's about this uh, this this group of ETs that he uh, met with and lived with uh, off-planet in their uh, huge spaceship, which was the size of a moon of uh, Saturn, and... Um, there were two types of ETs in there, and when I heard uh, Ronnie talking about the leopard woman, I, I said, oh, my, yes, he ran into this leopard woman on, on board that uh, spaceship uh, or, or base, and uh, he drew pictures of, of them. And this is rather interesting because he was a very good artist, and he depicted the two basic types uh, the, um, that he saw and one of them was this uh, reptilian type uh, called the Targzissians. And they fly angular ship and boomerang-shaped ships, uh, which we have been seeing here on Earth. And uh, I rarely hear anybody talking about uh, his book, 
which came out in the mid-90s. And yet it is uh, incredibly filled with details of, of what he had actually experienced. And it was very different from the greys, very different from what we typically hear uh, from abductees and experiencers. Yeah, let me tell Ronnie, if you can come back on, you dropped off. I don't know if you did intentionally or hurt your feelings, so I sure wasn't trying to because you know, I hope you know me well enough to know I've had a lot of weird stuff happen to me too. So hopefully, uh, Ronnie, you can call back in. I hope you just got knocked off or you're changing from your phone or your thing. But I'm, uh, cause, uh sure hope I didn't have hurt your feelings. I sure wasn't trying to. It's so hard for people to have experiences and know how wacky it sounds and be willing to come on and talk on a show. But like I said, Ronnie, you wrote a book, and it's, you know, I guess it's roughly, I don't even know if it was 10 years old or not. But, uh, you know, he's out there, and that's what we want. So I apologize, Ronnie, if I hurt your feelings. I hope you come on and say I didn't, that you just lost contact or dropped off. Because <laughs> it was just showing ones, and I can't... Uh, See, so I know he dropped off. So hopefully he'll come back on. But Dr. Bruce, you know, you know, uh, he's not here. So, uh, Tommy, you want to talk for a minute, real quick, with uh, Jan and uh, Bruce about how you can help some of these new people or not? Because I apparently, uh, I hope, I hope I didn't hurt Bruce's feelings, and I've lost him in our club. But he's he's a paying member, you know. It's just a dollar for <laughs> a month. But you know he's helped on the radio show, and it's hard for people to come on. So I'll try to refrain from making catty remarks in the future. About it's hard to believe. I didn't say I didn't believe it. I just said it's hard to hear, you know, because of the caricatures. I think Jan has learned over the years. Oh, good. Hold on just a minute, Ronnie. Did I hurt your feelings? <laughs> no, no, I got dumped, I guess, on the Internet. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sorry. Okay, well, good, because I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to help all these different clubs and associations if I say some cat remark? Because I'm supposed to be the producer and the and the webmaster and the developer and, you know, club host. And I was like, oh, my God, I did exactly what I don't want to do, and I can't. I can't do this if I'm hurting people's feelings, you know. So I apologize, but uh, Tommy, I'll help you some more in the future too, because these guys are collegiates and been doing this like forever. But I was—I'm sort of hoping to bring in new people and somehow get everybody to play good in the sandbox together, if you know what I mean. So thank you. All right. Well, I'm going to mute mute Ronnie, but you—you got to understand, like you said, you're not spiritual. You're not trying to make no money. You do your your job, and I know that you you and I have done a show before, but I'm just saying that for people to listen to this show, it's so hard because I've had interdimensional things happen in uniform and out of uniform and at night when I'm sleeping, and I'm trying to figure out how much of us is in our mind and how much is in the essence, like you said, because I, too, am doing neuroscience. I'm really studying consciousness and how... We work in and out of body because I've had three near-death experiences or I've died. So I'm, there's a whole nother level of this, and I hope to bring it all full circle. It's going to take a lot more club hours than just tonight for everybody to meet each other. But at least we're getting started. So I apologize, Ronnie, but uh, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute now, but all these are authors, folks. I, I have to admit, I'm a publisher. I have T.J. Morris Publishing, and I, I do Lulu and Amazon. But all of these guys are in my life because they all are an author. If you want to know, what have they got in common? Well, we're all authors. So with that said, and Tommy can tell you, you know, we'll we'll get our get your books out there. But I I build the pictures and the websites. But I'm gonna get off here and, and go back on mute. Okay, I'm so glad, Ronnie, that I didn't bump you, and you, I thought you hung up on me. <laughs> All right, so no, if that happens, I, I folks, try to get back on. Yeah, very rural. Yeah, it's so rural. Very rural. It's a it's, okay. It's something. Keep uh, Dr. Bruce, Dr. Bruce and Jan were going to yeah. fire me because I'm like, God, TJ, you can't be running people out of our club, man. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go on mute. <laughs> yeah, Tommy, are you going to uh, jump in here and, and fill us in with more uh, of your opinions? Hmm. I guess he's off. I wonder if he's still Tommy, connected now. No, can you, can you hear me? You can't hear me? Hello? I oh, can't now. I can't now. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah, I've been involved with this since I was six years old. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. But what happened, I mean, I was pulled into it at six in the hospital. My brother was having his tonsils out, and so was I. And it, the story starts in my life when a ship was coming to abduct my brother. And I kind of went to the window where the ship was and put my hands on the window, and then the ship shot, shot right back out into space. So that's how it started. But then from then on, I kind of was being pulled into a lot of different directions at the same time, including working with a deity, uh, working with different spirits and things like that. <clears throat> but by the time I was 14, I was doing ghost busting in New York City. I was doing hypnosis at, at 15. Uh, so I, I got involved with... I was one of the first people, and I probably was the first person in the United States to actually start doing past life regression when I was really young. I tried to figure out a, a word about it, and I came up with that. I know uh, a woman came out and said she created it about 10 years later, but uh, I didn't go public with it. I was doing people that I know and, and working that way. I never did anything I did to make money. I wrote my first book just to bring truth out. Uh, my second book was about truth, my truth, and then my third book was about truth. I use the word truth more than anything because I feel I have to put the truth out there. What I perceive, what I experience, and what I know as fact for myself, sure, some people will not agree. I mean, the first alien uh, being that I saw, I was 12, <clears throat> and I hate to admit it, James Gillen of the East Seti Ranch, his first alien that he saw is very similar because he talked about a person kind of human body form with a cat's head. And that's the first thing I ever saw as well. So, I mean, his experiences with that was a little different than mine. I mean, I actually had a friend with me and we both saw it. We were chasing it with a bat. We thought we were. And it went out through the, it went right through the door and it went up in a saddle in a spaceship. So uh, that's how it starts for me. I mean, but when I dealt with people, I got more involved with this and being pulled into a lot of different directions. I work with probably 2,000 people that were abducted, girls mostly, uh, that lost their children and things like that. So I never needed truth, and I didn't have to search for it, and I wasn't out trying to promote it. I was just trying to help the people that I know that experienced it. And with the way it is today, everybody's allowed to come out and say it. They won't be put in the nuthouse right away even though they will be put in a nut house if they have any real important information. 
I'll say one name, and people really need to search this out, and if they really care, uh, he's in the, he's in the nut house in Long Island. Uh, he was arrested due to the idea they said he had uranium and he was going to kill people. But he had the most incredible video I ever saw of a ship crash and with the aliens around it. So it's like when you have real truth, they kind of try to take it away. I could say I lost six direct friends of mine from childhood to now, rather than over the past 25 years, due to the UFO world. Now, when people come out and say they have experiences, they were, everybody's having them. How really important to the world are they? Some experiences are important to the, the individual. So when we talk about these aliens that come to us, what are they really teaching us? What can we bring to the world? What will help us with that information? I mean, I can go into the big famous name people and what they say. I said, we need to bring something together that's going to help us because when they do come, which race, which race are we going to work with? I mean, is I can, I'm going to just say this real fast because I don't, like, I don't want to take up too much time. In the past couple of days, one of the most people friendship I made in a while was directly talking with me live when they were giving me pictures of a ship over the house. And then they showed me pictures of the alien that was coming around the house. So I saw a race I never saw before, but I saw it directly. So, and it was being videotaped. So it's not like it was somebody's dream, somebody's bad experience. That video can't come out for a while. Uh, when it does, it'll open more people's eyes because the Hopi people talked about a certain race, which it was. Uh, and the Hopi people, the oldest people in the United States that have been here forever, have never been brought here. So when you talk about aliens, what are aliens? I mean, if they look the same, are they aliens or are they not? Like the Play Johns are us from the future. They look like us. I mean, most races do not look anything even close to us, eat like us, or dress like us. So I'm going to give it back, but we need to put this together as far as what can really help us. I'm more concerned about helping the world. I mean, sure, we've got problems with Trump and the elections and things like that, but just what's going on around that, what our government's allowing to happen. And uh, this is the last thing I'll say. The U.S. government, specifically the Navy, came out and just said a couple of days ago, they will not release any information pertaining to UFOs and, and, and secret stuff going on because it would be destructive to the United States. So that's their viewpoint on disclosure about aliens. So with that, I'll give it back to uh, DJ and Bruce, sorry. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Tommy, for, uh, for bringing us up to date on, on what your involvement in it is. And uh, um, I, on the other hand, have uh, experienced some things. You have experienced some of these things, Tommy, with me out in the Walker River Valley. Um, and I came out with a book recently last year called uh, Unconventional Aerial Phenomena in the Hudson and Walker River Valley of New York, in which I document at least 137 close encounters. Now, um, I believe Jan was saying that uh, close encounters have sort of dropped off in uh, this millennium, and uh, most of my close encounters were occurring in ni the 1990s. So that sort of fits in with his idea because they tapered off and stopped in the, in the, uh, by 2003. Um, 
and I've documented most of the things that I've encountered on, on, with photographs and video and pictures that are in my book. And uh, for anybody who's interested in, in, in seeing what is going on there in that part of the world, but what is different is that most of the craft that I witnessed and photographed are angular craft in the shape of triangles or diamond shapes. And uh, some of them are even in the shape of uh, conventional aircraft, but they can fold up wings and stabilizers and appear to be a, uh, uh, a cigar-shaped uh, type of craft. And uh, they, they differ from what we see in many other parts of the country and the world uh, in the sense that uh, they uh, have their underground bases right there in the valley. And people, most people don't even realize it, that um, – these uh, ships are coming out of the ground and going into the ground, into their underground bases <clears throat> with impunity. And uh, the uh, military is very interested in them, but there's also a question of how much cooperation there is between people in the military and these non-humans that live under, underground. And that is something that I hope to uh, uh, find out more about, but uh, there's no question that there seems to be some connection. <clears throat> and, and the question of how many of these sightings that we see are what we're, we call ARVs versus ETVs. ETV is extraterrestrial vehicle. ARV is alien re reproduction vehicle. And uh, we actually had performances authorized by the Pentagon uh, for Skunk Works to give us a demonstration of the um, um, uh, TR-3B their triangular anti-gravity craft. And that video is online on my Bufad website, and I'm going to be showing it at the UFO convent, mega convention in Lachlan this next month. Um, but most people wouldn't uh, uh, expect the government to reveal something of that magnitude uh, before cameras. And yet uh, that seems to be part of the way um, – uh, the disclosure is happening in drips and drabs over time. What do you think, Tommy? Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, and Jan, uh, have you? Uh, I mean, a lot of these uh, triangular craft that we um, are seeing the increase in numbers. There, there are many people now be, begin to think that they are are our own military hardware, and. Uh, so if, if what we have witnessed and, and, and recorded on film is, is for real, is a military craft, then uh, our military has a lot more um, technology than, than the public is, is aware of. And that could be one major reason why the military will not disclose, because that would put the United States into great jeopardy with our enemies around the world. Guys, I'll let you go. I just want to say one thing real fast. I'm in Hawaii. I'm on the Big Island. I was in town at the bank on the far end of, uh, it's called Hilo, the town. And on the side of that's the mountain. So I was going to a bank that was closed down. I didn't know it was closed down. So I'm walking out of the bank around the side. This giant black triangle came out at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. It came right out of the mountain. It was super large. Uh, I would say it was like a 747, but it was a black triangle. 
The only thing that was so bad, which I couldn't understand, it was the loudest thing I ever heard. It was blowing my eardrums out. And when I reached for my two cameras, I had two different cameras on me, and I grabbed one of them that was blank, and the other one was blank. But within five seconds, it was clearly gone. I mean, it was directly over my head, maybe 100 feet when it was above my head. But when I looked, it was gone out into space within like four to five seconds. So the technology of that ship was, and I'm sure it was, government, Hawaii government. And how fast it disappeared was amazing. But what I found out, most of the people in town didn't hear it. I mean, I was directly under it. But yeah, I, I asked people in town, did you hear that? Did you hear, hear what? Hear what? Hear what? I mean, Hilo's a really busy town, noisy and everything, but the noise almost blew my eardrums out. And and like you, we know most of the things that we see in here don't have any noise. But right. I just wanted to throw that in. Well, that's good because uh, I've uh, when I was at NIDS, I had a report uh, from a, of a black triangle that was seen taking off from a naval base near San Diego. And uh, it, it's, as it took off, it had to stop immediately uh, to allow uh, uh, MD-10 uh, commercial uh, airliner to pass it as on its way to landing at the San Diego airport. And then uh, the, the witnesses saw, saw it. Uh, once the air, aircraft had passed, that triangle just took off like a bat out of hell and uh, clearly was coming from a military uh, airfield. So we have uh, this technology, and that is one of the th- reasons, I think, that the military cannot disclose too much. Otherwise, they're going to uh, uh, expose their our own vulnerability uh, to our enemies. Right. Hey, are you guys familiar with the Wilson leak? Did y'all hear anything on that? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard about that, yes. Yeah, about the Space Force or the uh, uh, Solar Warden stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's a part of the government that's like uh, it doesn't have any oversight on spending or anything, and it, and, it, and they work just outside the government. Where even uh, it's not even listed in top secret, uh, so the government has no right to the information. All they do is fund it. And it's private right. industry that is doing all the research on the alien technology that they supposedly have. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a good friend that's been up close and personal with those documents and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, that tells you right there that our government is in. There's no telling what we have out there because uh, they've been working on it a long time. Right. So, and I, I know, I, uh, yeah. That, going back to the 30s and, and the Nazis, they were working with it, too. Yeah. So there's no telling what we have, but I can tell you what, that thing that flew over me was made out of solid, it had solid rock on the bottom of it, and it had a city built on the surface. And I can't wow. imagine, and and, there, and I've taken that, I've taken that footage, and I've got this footage, and I really, somebody that, somebody that's really talented needs to take this footage and do some stuff with it that I haven't been able to do. Because I can guarantee you there's some stuff on here that's 100% completely alien, and uh, and I mean I've got it, and I've had you know I've had so many people look at the film, but all they do is make sure that I it's, it hasn't been manipulated, you know they're looking right. to find debunk me, 
You know, they're not looking to to clear up the imagery. They're looking to see where I, you know, pull this off. You know, and it's like I really need somebody who's who's willing to believe and talented enough to like take some of this footage and see what we can see what all we can find and prove it once and for all is authentic. I know it's authentic because I took it. But there's nothing on this thing that looks like it was ever touched by human hands. And and I mean this is a big craft. This this thing was I guarantee it was a mile long. A V shaped craft. Each each half of the V was a half a mile in length. And it was a well, tight would that, v. Been, would that have been similar to the Phoenix uh, uh sighting occurred in nineteen ninety seven? That big V yeah, shaped it looks, it craft? Look, yeah, it looks very similar because when I could see lights on this thing in different areas of it, and there was a large area of lights and a large area of lights that was uh, rotating around my location, and it was getting lower and lower. And when it finally passed over my head, I couldn't believe how big it was because lots of the craft didn't have any lights at all on it. And the lights what, what year from was different this? parts. Of the, this Ronnie, was a 2011. Two thousand eleven, yeah, March, and that March was in Texas. Yeah, North Central Texas, just about ten miles outside of Coleman, Texas. And wow. uh, this thing, yeah, I got, I got, I got the footage on the flip. It's a flip phone. Is a is a Motorola AT and T Tundra flip phone. Is is what I caught the video footage of it. And I thought I was taking a picture because I I had taken some video earlier, and it was one of the first cameras that came out with. The, Capabilities of video. I mean, we didn't have smartphones back then in 2011. And so when this thing, I caught a video, you know, I I pointed my camera at this thing and and I was looking for it in the display screen and it filled the sky in the location I was at. And to my horror, when I looked at the display screen, all I could see was complete black. (laughs) And this thing was leaving the area and I'm going, my God, this is the most amazing thing anybody's probably ever seen and I've got to catch something on. I've got to catch this thing, you know? So I pointed the eye of the camera at it, and I hit record. And luckily, what I caught was the left half of the – It was I caught the I caught the left V on the craft. Probably – I just about caught just about all of the left side of the V. And, man, it, you know, this thing is a mile long, and it's got – it's got a, a roll of burning flares, like there's some kind of refinery process going on. It's got these, it's got these buildings built on the surface of it. They had these blue glowing power lines stretched across the surface. And when we zoom, when I zoomed in on that thing and started looking at it, man, there's like, you know, I didn't even see it at first because I was looking for alien architecture and machinery and stuff like that. And then these other people said, man, I, you know, I see this huge creature on on the surface of that thing. I'm going, nah, there's no way it could be. A creature of any kind on this thing, and when I started looking, I saw it too. There's a huge creature on this thing, and one of the and uh, one of the creatures it looks like it's forty feet tall. It looks like an insectoid. It's towering above the buildings on the craft. You know, when you start telling people that, they just shut up. They don't even want to believe you. But I've got the footage of it, and on one of the arms on the thing has is casting a shadow on its body. And it and it's right in line with where the light source is. So you can see the light source, you can see the thing's arm, you can see the shadow that's being cast on the thing's body. And I, I've got wow. a good picture. I guarantee you, I got a good picture. Now it's not it's not Paramount picture quality, but it's 
it's it's clear enough you can see what the hell it is and, and I guarantee you it's big enough that you can't explain it. And I showed it to zoologists and they said, Well, you know, where did you where'd you get this from? And I, I said, Well, you ain't gonna believe this, but it's on the surface of a UFO. And they didn't want to talk to me anymore after that. <laughs> At first, they were going, "Yeah." They said, "I know every creature on the, you know, on the planet, and I've never seen because this thing, it looks like a praying mantis, but the arms come out of the back instead of out of the front." And he goes, "Yeah, that's you know, it looks like a praying mantis, but it's got arms that come out of its back." He said, "I've never seen anything like this. You know, where did you get it?" And I said, "Well." <laughs> And once I told him, once I told him where where I got it, you know, he didn't want to talk to me anymore after that. <laughs> and that's the way they are, sadly. Yeah, the subject is one way to end a conversation. <laughs> so yeah, for those who don't want to believe but, in in what we are seeing. But you know, I've I've got I've got some I've got some footage of some ETs, you know, and, and I mean I've got some pretty good footage of some ETs, you know, and. uh and like I said, there's nobody really wants to see it. There's nobody really wants to research it. I'm surprised. You think people would be knocking at my door, bugging me for it? You know, and I've been giving it freely to anyone who wants to research it. You this know, you can look at it. This is a, the psychological problem of humans, I believe. It, it, it's almost as if it's been genetically wired in our brains to not want to uh, see the truth about, uh, you know, non-human uh, beings and creatures. Uh, that uh, this really scares us. Look at how, how Hollywood uh, plays on human fears with monsters and, and ghosts. I mean, that, that should be a, a pretty good indicator that we don't want to know the truth. Yeah, and, and you know the guy in Brazil that was the, the abductee in Brazil that was supposedly killed and drained, all the blood drained out of him and stuff? It's a pretty famous case. A Brazilian man that was killed supposedly by an ET and dropped. Anyway, this big creature has a bite radius that would be consistent with the wounds on that guy, which is kind of oh. scary to think of. You take a 40-foot yep. insect toy, he would suck the blood right out of a human. And I guarantee you, and you can see the big, there's a big hole in the guy's chest cavity. And, his, and, it, and I guarantee you, it looks, it looks consistent with the, the size and the shape of the mouth of this thing that I captured on top of the UFO. Pretty scary stuff. Yes, very. I'd love to see that image. And uh, and I have another guy over here that, you know, I, I've I've been I've talked to TTSA, and they were looking at they're looking for alien metamaterial. Well, I come across a guy down here, uh, down in Santa Ana, and this guy has a piece. He has this metal, this metal spear. You ever, you've heard of the bed spear? Yeah. This thing is larger. It's larger than the bed spear. It has a, it has a sleeve, it has a, a circular sleeve that goes, seems like it goes plump through it. And uh, I, you know, at first I was kind of skeptical of it, and I went down there, and we did a, I did a bunch of like testing on this thing, and we weighed it and we measured it, and I put this thing down on the floor. And my my kid was sitting there playing with it. And then my kid walked away and left and left it. This thing rolled for four minutes on the floor. And I said, and then finally I was having a conversation with the guys, and I said, Hey, I said, uh, you know, one of you guys might want to grab a camera. 
I said, because that spear has been rolling way too long. It's been rolling for four minutes. And we recorded it another three minutes. So this thing, they set it on the floor, and it rolled for seven minutes, and we and we recorded the last three. And then I, I've got it. You can go to the Ronnie Dawson YouTube channel, and you can see the spear. You can see it rolling and stuff like that. I posted several videos videos on there of the sphere that we're looking at, and and the story behind the sphere is that it, it there was a there was a ranch out in Ta- near Taos, New Mexico, and this rancher, a UFO came over his house, scared him to death, and they boarded the doors that were afraid they were going to get taken, and uh, nothing happened. They never got invaded or anything like that that they know of. And anyway, the UFO left. The next morning when they had the courage to go outside, there was 12 of these metal balls laying in their front lawn. And one of those balls was given to this guy. This is a, like the, this is the area UFO guy, the guy that everybody talked to when they seen a UFO. He was called out, and, they, and this guy actually gave him one of the spears. And he, and he still has it today. And supposedly this spear came off a of UFO. I don't even notice what's in it. And it acts a whole lot like the bet sphere. Right. And I have we a still question have, here, Ronnie. <clears throat> have you Dr. ever Bruce, uh, I think been... Yes. Oh, DJ. Dr. Bruce, I'm sorry. I I'll go back on mute. I think Hugh Charleston showed up here from Virginia. There's an eight oh four number on here. But uh I turned him on so if you want to uh, go ahead and ask that question, but is that you, Hugh? I just need to make sure. Yes, I you? would love to connect with Dr. Cornett related to the Hudson Valley. Okay. okay. Well, Very you're good. on, but let him ask the question, and yeah, he'll get with sure. you, Hugh. And Jan, I want Jan, uh, but Hugh, Hugh's been with us from the beginning, too. I'm going to go back on mute. Ronnie, uh, have you ever been an, an, uh, approached by what would be termed a man in black? It's, it's, I never have been personally approached by a man in black, but I had a guy contact me through the Internet, that claimed, and and he seemed like a man in black. And and this guy, he did some he – t- he was talking like, man, he was telling me about – he knows where my crap came from, and he told me – he told me where it came from. He told me how many light years it was away. And I was taking notes, and I researched everything the guy said, and everything the guy said was true. And the guy said he was an alien hybrid working for the government out of a UFO, uh, out of a UFO that's, that's like a secret space program. And he, and he told me it's in a warehouse, and if you walked in the warehouse, you would never be able to see it. This guy told me this several years ago. And here just recently I've heard again that, they have the technology that, that some of these UFOs, if you walk into the warehouse, you wouldn't see it. It don't even materialize until you throw the switch. And this guy told wow. me this several years ago. And then, okay, now get this. this I, was, I, got in, I was talking to this guy for several weeks, man. He was very smart. He was, I mean, way too smart. And uh, and he and he was even he we, he was even saying, you know, I'm not, he said, I can come down and give you a ride. And I said, you could do that? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I can find you. He said, don't worry. I, you know, I'll, I can come down and give you a ride. And I was sharing my conversation with some of my friends. And then the next time I talked to the guy, he, said, he was very angry. He said, uh, he said, uh, well, he said, I know you've been sharing our conversation. 
and he goes, I'm very upset that you've done this. You know, I said, I thought we were buddies. And, you know, he said, he said, I can't have anybody else knowing the nature of our conversation. He says, so he said, I've had to, I had to delete everything you had. And he said, I deleted off your friend computers too. And, uh, and I'm going, well, you know, I'm really sorry about that. You know, I didn't mean anything by it. You know, he goes, I, he goes, I understand. He goes, he said, that's, that's just part of being human. And anyway, so after I got to talk to him, I called my friends that I had sent this stuff to. I said, you still got that? Because, and he did, he deleted it off my computer. I called all my friends and I said, you still got that? And they looked on their computer and they have not deleted it. And it's gone off all their computers. Four different friends, four different computers. He deleted it off all of them. Yeah, and this was way before the note come out. Ronnie, they've demonstrated to me how they can access my computer without it even being on, and 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 run it, and and add put things on my computer and take things off. They've demonstrated that. So, yeah, he he told uh, me that I, I can. I believe he said I know all your passwords. He said I can get in your computer faster than you can. Right. And he said I can do they it don't from space. Password. Right. Yeah. He said I can do it from out of space. He said the, the people on the crap, you know. He said you're in a thousand-year treaty to stay away. Yeah. Okay, TJ, who is uh, calling in and wanting to talk about Hudson Valley? Hugh Carlson. Yeah, Hugh, introduce yourself to, uh, you said you want to talk to Dr. Bruce, but Jan Aldrich is here. Tommy and I are here, but Tommy and I are being real quiet tonight, so Jan and Bruce can talk. And Ronnie, but go ahead, Hugh. Hugh, uh, go ahead. Well, if you can give him my number, too, I'd love to speak with him off air. But I had a firsthand experience back in the early 80s with the Hudson Valley UFO sightings. Uh, the triangular-type ship came right over the top of me when I was coming into work at Union Carbide's World Headquarters. And I had other paranormal experiences uh, during that time frame. And there was a big website, Teresa's aware of it, and I wanted to ask you if you did spent much time around Brewster, New York, if you knew Phil and Brogno, because I went when they had the meeting at the uh, Henry Walls School for the people that saw the uh, UFO, and I never came forward because I didn't want to jeopardize my job back then. But, I, uh, again, there's a lot of synchronicities I have. That's a whole big area that ties into this, and... I did have a sort of interdimensional uh, paranormal experience with what I believe was a, a gargoyle. Hugh, what is your phone number? It's area code 804-798-1139. And are you at all familiar with Leslie Mitchell Clark? She's a hypnotherapist who's up in the, Toronto and also has an office in New York and she her husband also experienced it and she has a, I think it's a blog talk show I don't know if it's still on call contact but she's very sophisticated in these things and did go to area 51 herself interesting very good 
And when was this sighting that you had of the triangle? Uh, it was probably 1983 or 84, but uh, let me just give you three words so you can look over this big website. It'll bring you right to it, and you'll see a lot of interesting things on the different pages. Okay. Just uh, put my last name, Trollson, T like Tom, R-A-U-L, S like Sam, E like Edward, N like Nancy, the second word, and A-N-D, and the third word, Trump, T-R-U-M-P. That will bring you to, directly to a page on a big website, rootingoutcorruption.weebly.com. On the page that says Media Review, you'll see some interesting information, and toward the bottom of the page is even an archive radio program where I came on and spoke with Stanton Friedman uh, last December, uh, well, December 2018, uh, before he passed, and asked him about uh, one of the gentlemen that I mentioned on that page, a Harry Rosicki, who was high-level CIA. I actually spoke with him after reading his book, The KGB, The Eyes of Russia. Are you at all familiar with Harry Rosicki, who was supposedly known as the Falcon, the head of the Avery, uh, that were involved with, C with UFOs? I'm, I've heard the name. Okay. Uh, but it, I, I've never really connected with him to know, uh, you know how he could uh, inform me. Uh, so, uh, but the, uh, I'll give you a call, and um, and and your last name is spelled how? T like Tom, then R A U L S like Sam, E like Edward, N like Nancy, and one last thing: a lot of this is inter interdimensionally ships too. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so. This this look uh, was sighting that you had was in what county of New York? No, it was. I'm I was living in Brewster, New York, in Putnam County. Okay. And the encounter was at Danbury, Connecticut, at Union Carbide's world headquarters. Okay, I know where you are. I passed through that area many times. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of uh, a lot of things. They have the Satan caves in Brewster and. The Jesus tree, there's all kinds of paranormal things that were happening back in those when I was there. Yeah, very good. All right. Thank you. And and uh, I'll get that website from you uh, over the phone. Yeah, I'm up till midnight. I'm in Virginia. Are you in Texas? Or? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have synchronicities related to Texas, too. When you get onto the site, you'll see my last name also has global recognition and back in the early 80s when all this was happening I was written up in a front page Wall Street Journal article which triggered an investigation eventually led to the resignation of Jim Wright from Speaker of the House in shame who was from Fort Worth Texas that's where my father's company is currently headquartered oh very good okay all right, thank you very much for uh, calling in. Well, I'll continue listening, and thank you so much, TJ, for connecting me. Oh, have you uh, know of my book? Oh, I'm yeah. Uh, Hugh, Hugh, let him tell you his book before you go. We only got 10 minutes left, but everybody yeah, tell sure. your book because we only got 10 minutes left and Project 1947, too. But go ahead, Bruce. Tell him the name of your book. Uh, go to Amazon.com and in to, to books and uh, Google Dr. Bruce Cornett. And uh, my book's name is Unconventional Aerial Phenomena, 
in the Hudson and Wallkill River Valley of New York. It's 400 pages of documents and, and descriptions. Beautiful. I hope we can add to that, and I'll help promote that, too. Thank you very much, you. All Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey. TJ, how would you like to uh, end this uh, uh, session? Show. We've got eight. We've got eight minutes, and everybody is an author. So I'd like to run down the line uh, with uh, Jan uh, first, and uh, we've just mentioned yours, but we'll mention it the last again. Uh, so Jan and Tommy and uh, Ronnie, and uh, then you. Okay, and I'll I'll go back on mute because it's easier. So uh, you got it. You got to run down Jan, Tommy, Ronnie. And then you again. And that should be seven minutes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Jan, you're up. Okay. Well, the the latest book, of course, is uh, UFOs and Government. And the primary authors are uh, Swords and uh, Powell. Um. I've written one other book called The Preliminary Report on 19, The Wave of 1947. It's out of print. Uh, MUFON may still have some copies. Um, I have something called The Ghost Rocket Files. It's a com- uh, compilation of government documents from... 1946 U.S. government documents about the ghost rocket phenomena in Scandinavia. Um, that's uh, scanned and it's available on online. You just probably have to do a search. I think it's uh, at AFU, uh, the Swedish outfit that uh, does a lot of uh, scanning and stuff. So... Uh, of course, uh, I, I, it's real important to mention Lauren Gross and his uh, uh, UFO history project on uh, uh, the uh, oral history project. And there's a button there so you can go to Lauren Gross's histories, which are... Uh, real important for somebody that's interested in the early days. Thank you. Um, Donnie, you're up next. Uh, My first book is uh, How to See God. My second book is When When Truth is Called Crazy. My third book is Truth Beyond Illusion. And my fourth book, which I feel is the most important, is The True Teachings of Jesus from God Realization. And I'm putting out a field manual on how to see a UFO, which I'm giving away as a PDF file if anybody's interested. So my, real fast, my email is hawksblood1aol.com. Anybody that sends me a link, I'll give them my, a copy of my first book, second book, or the PDF file of how to see a UFO. Thank you. Ronnie? Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, this is uh, Ronnie Dawson. Uh, my book is called The Ronnie Dawson UFO Story. It's available in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and you can even get it at Walmart. Uh, you can see my videos at the Ronnie Dawson YouTube channel. And it's got the videos of the spear. 
And if you want to see some of the UFO pictures and alien pictures that I've captured, you can just go to Google Images and type in Ronnie Dawson UFO, R-O-N-N-Y. D-A-W-S-O-N, UFO, and you can see it right there on Google. Most of them will load up for you. So thank you. It's been fun, guys. Yes, it has. Thank you. DJ? Yeah, I'm back. You you want to mention your book again? It's sort of a long title, isn't it? But it's available yeah. on Amazon. But my, my books are on Amazon. Just look up books by Teresa J. Morris. M-O-R-R-I-S. That's Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A. And if you'd like to join us, I've formed a club on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I've formed patreon.com forward slash join forward slash Teresa J. Morris. And I'm I'm hosting a bunch of different associations that do clubs or uh, groups or oral history. And Jan uh, has agreed to help me with all the UFO Association. And so uh, if you go to the Patreon, you can figure out, we figured out a way where we all didn't have to pay so much money, and you can just do a one a month or two a month just to help pay the overhead for the uh, archives. And then hopefully, we got eight years, I'm just going to keep paying for the archives we've got, but we're starting in 2020 to make all these oral archives, and then anybody that participates can have a copy here, and uh, we put them out free everywhere, folks. Uh, but uh, I pay for all the majors, Spreaker and Stitcher and, uh, oh, gosh, uh, Spreaker, I said Spreaker, Spreaker, iTunes, where you can get on Apple. Anyway, just look up TJ Mars ET Radio is the is the key, TJ Mars ET Radio. Okay, Bruce, now uh, we want to do this next Friday, and you'll be pulling. Will you be here for the club, or are you going to do just once a month, or are we going to do this every Friday, Bruce, Dr. Well, Bruce? Well, it, I, I would say it, we're coming up to uh, February, and I'll be out of town for several weeks. So uh, I probably should only do it on selected Fridays, okay? You'll have to come okay. uh, back to me on, on which Fridays. Okay. Well, and then uh, Jan can maybe do Friday, it late. Right. Next Friday, uh-huh. I think it will be okay. Oh, that that okay. will be right before the end of the month, right? So, right. Uh, that is fine. But uh, let's see who we can invite to have on our show. All right? Yeah, we don't have to have so many people. But people, we've been doing it for so many years. They like to hear what's old and new. So we we say we got the ancient wisdom and the new thought teachings. But the oral history of UFO, uh, we we did tonight. So Friday nights are pretty cool. And Tommy's going to do Wednesday with me, folks, all y'all that like our spiritual ascension age stuff, spiritual stuff, and Sunday. And uh, I do Tuesday uh, with Jan Aldrich uh, for UFO Association. Tuesday, 3 to 5, my time, that's 4 to 6 Eastern, his time. And uh, he's got so many friends in uh, around the world and that are so well famous and all have archives that we're trying to do an oral archive and keep books running about uh, 10 to 12 chapters or episodes per book so jan uh join jan aldrich on tuesdays four to six eastern right here on tj marcy radio uh tommy hawk's blood right here uh we haven't established a time but i do usually four to six uh, Eastern or, set, or 8 to 10 Eastern So we do a day show and a night show And then Ronnie You're you're invited next Friday if you'd like And Jan of course I can call you If you want to do next Friday And then I don't know I know we do Tuesdays 
So, uh, and Tommy's a permanent fixture with me. So, but we just have been uh, so busy, and he's been doing YouTube. So, uh, catch Tommy and uh, Jan. And anyway, email me if you don't know, or just look up TeresaJMorris.com. And uh, we've got ACO Club app for the business directory, and we got different clubs that do different things. So. All these guys are great, and they all showed up, so that's the main thing, isn't it? They've all got information they'd like yes. to uh, be on oral history and share. Okay, back to you, Dr. Well, Bruce. Well, the name of my book is Unconventional Aerial Phenomena in the Hudson and Walkill River Valley of New York, and published in 2019 from Amazon. So. Just do my last name, uh, Dr. Cornett, at uh, Amazon Books, and uh, you should find me. Okay. Well, uh, any last words, uh, everybody? Jan Aldrich, any last words? Or if you want to tell them, I know it's project1947.com, but uh, you want to give them your Facebook or however you want people to get in touch with you, Jan. Well, that's uh, the project1947.com is is a lot of the research that's been done and it's uh it's there for free. You don't have to buy any book, you can just uh, go to that uh that place and it's uh it's got a lot of uh, historical UFO uh material on it. Okay. Well, we're out of time, so thank you, Dr. Bruce. You did a really good job of co-hosting and emceeing and keeping the panel together. And, Jan, this is what I'd like us to start doing sooner or later, or at least, you know, one hour. You can, We can do archives or his, whatever you're doing and maybe add one of your friends with one of the other clubs, CFO or, you know, even Greenwood or whatever, but you just got to let me know. So, folks, we can do this with whatever it is that you're researching and uh, want to do your club with. Just get in touch with any of these people you heard tonight. Let them know you're interested in coming on the show. All right, and Tommy and I will get back with you, too. And Tommy's doing the YouTubes. If you want to see your picture on TV, YouTubes, and I'm just not there yet because uh, I'll get there, though. So love and light, everybody. We will see you, uh, I guess, Tuesday. <laughs> and I do Thursday on Revolution.Radio, so don't forget me on the Revolution.Radio on Thursdays, 4 to 6 Eastern. And uh, we're going to be starting a whole new program and a lot of more affiliates in March. i got to give them a month to get me up, but there's some exciting news coming, getting the word out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Hugh Charlson. Thank you, everybody. And uh, Dr. Bruce, if you can, call Hugh, and uh, get, he'll get – y'all can exchange information off air. Yeah, right. Well, thank you. All right, and Tommy, call me if you want to do a show <laughs> over the weekend or something. All right, Jan. Talk at you Tuesday, Jan. Okay. Thank you, everybody. All right, and Ronnie, you know to call in, so call me.